Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. What's up, gentlemen? My name is Charlie Ungamak, and you are watching the Gird Up Agogi. First of all, super happy to have you. Glad to have you here. This is the place where we teach young men how to be men after God's own heart. I know you want to be a man. I know you want to be a man that loves Jesus and passionately follows him, a real man in the 21st century, and we're going to teach you how to do just that. And today's lesson, I know it's a little bit of clickbait, but it's true. Today's lesson is about not being an ass. And I, and I want to make sure you know what that actually means. I'm not just saying it to be offensive. It actually is a legitimate lesson that we need to learn, and it's biblical. There's a difference between being an a-hole, <laughs> right? We're not talking about being an a-hole, and being an ass. The term being an ass, or the, catch, the phrase being an ass, actually stems from the animal, you know, a donkey or a mule, and the fact that donkeys and mules are oftentimes very, very stubborn. You probably already knew that. Um, but I think a lot of times we underestimate just how stubborn a mule or a donkey can be. Um, my, my own experience in life, I've interacted with donkeys and mules several times, and I have never once really had like a super positive uh, experience with a donkey. That's just the truth. I'm sure there's some very nice donkeys out there. I don't want to offend any donkeys. Um, but the, my experiences with donkeys and mules haven't been particularly positive. Um, my high school, well, not when I was there, but a few years after that, used to do a fundraiser. They would do like donkey basketball is what they called it. It was actually funny. The stubbornness of the mules and the donkeys in this case was hilarious. The fact that they would put teachers and things on top of donkeys, and all of a sudden it's not doesn't matter so much <laughs> what uh, how good you are at basketball. What really matters at that point is whether or not your donkey is going to listen to what you have to say. And in that case, it's funny. And for most men, most of the time, being stubborn is nothing more than a nuisance. It's a little bit laughable. It might be a flaring temper or two every once in a while, but really it's, it doesn't matter that much. Um, but stubbornness can be a very real thing as well. I think about when I was a... Um, when I was a kid, we used to do living nativity in lacrosse. So you know, there's a big rotary lights display, and then the churches from the area would get together and put on a living nativity so people could see the story of Jesus in real life, right? And there were several occasions where the donkeys had to be either removed from the living nativity or they could never bring the donkeys out into the living nativity because they were baying so much, they were making so much noise, they were being so difficult. They just said, you know what, we're going to leave them on a trailer, we're not even going to use them tonight <laughs> because they're being so ridiculous. Even worse... I have a friend who rode uh, mules down into the Grand Canyon, 
And uh, I don't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but somehow they ended up way too close to the edge of one of the canyons. They're right on the edge of a cliff. Um, And he didn't realize how close they were to the cliff. And so when he realized that they were in grave danger, he reacted really sharply and um, like really jerked the mule around. Like he was not gentle and kind and patient with the mule. He's like, we need to get out of here fast. And he was too rough with the mule. And the mule got stubborn. The mule stood still and refused to move. And as long as my friend and his mule were stuck in that position, both of their lives were in danger. The best thing for the mule and the best thing for my friend was to get out of the situation as quickly as possible. But the mule, obviously he's an animal, but even if he wasn't an animal, even if he was a human being, he was being too stubborn to be wise. He was too stubborn to do what was good for him, what was right for him. And that's the kind of stubbornness that we're talking about. I want to be really clear that I'm not talking about convictions here. I'm not talking about being sure and solid in your convictions. That's a very different thing than being stubborn. Being strong in your convictions is just betraying the fact that you have loyalty, that you have morality, that you understand who you are and whose you are. You know the difference between right and wrong. That's having strong convictions. Being stubborn is a completely different thing. Being stubborn is the result of being proud. Uh, it's the result of being selfish. And it means that you're being knuckleheaded because of it. Right? I'm making bad decisions. I'm becoming a fool because of my selfishness and pride. That's what it means to be stubborn. Now, when somebody says to you, don't be an ass, I want you to understand what that really means. They're not telling you not to be a jerk. They're not telling you to stop being mean. They're not telling you to back off. What they're telling you is that you are being a fool and your foolishness, if it goes unchecked, is going to do some damage either to you or to somebody else. Okay? It's a symptom of a heart that is not yielded to our Heavenly Father's will. I'm holding on too tight. I'm being hard-headed and rock-headed. And this is something that needs to change. In fact, it needs to change so much that our Savior wrote about it. In Psalm 32, God gives us both a stern warning and a beautiful promise regarding our stubbornness. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. So do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by a bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. I believe this is verses 9 through 13 or 9 through 12 or something like that. It starts in verse, or the verse we're talking about the mule is 9, so I guess it's 8 through 12. If you look at this section of scripture really closely... God first tells us that he is going to instruct us. He's going to teach us. He's going to show us the way that we should go. And he does this in two ways. First of all, he speaks to us through his word. And if you and I aren't connected to his word, if we're not dug into his word with our heels dug into his word, reading his word every day, being close to him, understanding what his will for us is, then we won't know the Father's will. We don't know right from wrong. We won't know who loves us and whose we are. We're going to lose sight of the things that are important. And there's way too many Christian men who claim to be Christian or say that they're Christian or even do legitimately have faith but never spend a day, never spend any time every day in their Bible. Well, it's really hard to be connected to your Savior if you don't actually have a relationship with your Savior. If you want to know the difference between right and wrong, if you want to know the path you should walk, you need to get into the Word, you need to get into Scripture. The second way that our Heavenly Father talks to us is through the circumstances that surround us. God allows consequences, sometimes God allows the consequences of our actions to curb our behaviors. Um, In other words, our Father knows exactly what we need, He knows exactly what it's going to take to keep us on the path of righteousness so that we can spend eternity with Him. Our Father knows what it's going to take to save us, and so He allows troubles and trials to come into our life so that we cling to Him, grasp onto Him, won't let Him go, and we'll walk 
in the way of life so that our faith is protected, our faith is sure, and we can spend eternity with him. One of my favorite pictures is the picture of the prophet, Jer- no, Elijah. <laughs> the prophet Elijah, one, or it might have been Elisha. Shoot, I always forget which prophet it is. Anyway, one of the prophets was surrounded by the enemy. The uh, enemy armies were coming down and attacking Israel, and they were in the hills all around the prophet. And the prophet woke up one morning, and his servant goes to the door and looks out and sees the enemy armies camped around Israel. And he starts to freak out. He gets nervous. He's scared for what's going to happen. And he says, we're surrounded. And Elisha says, no, I know we're surrounded, but you need to see the, uh, the, uh, that our army is greater than their army. And he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and the servant saw that the army of the Lord was surrounding the army of the enemy. What he was really telling the young man, what, he was, what the Lord was telling Elisha and what Elisha was showing the servant was that the Lord is in command of all of our situations. And even when terrible, awful, bad things happen to us, they happen to us because of his will. Now, the Lord doesn't want bad things to happen to us. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the Lord sometimes allows difficult things to come into our life. He'll let the enemy through because he knows that difficulties and trials are going to remind us of how much we need him. And they're going to teach us to cling to him for life because we will recognize that there's no way we can be saved without him. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. I talk about it all the time. Pastor uh, Nate, or David Scharf does a talk that he just, it's excellent, but he talks about the idea that I should pray. The most dangerous prayer a Christian man can pray is, Lord, send the storm. Do whatever you need to do. Send whatever difficulties you need to send to make my path secure, to make my faith secure so that I might spend eternity with you. If my life needs to be miserable so that I learn to depend on you, then, Lord, make my life miserable so that I will spend eternity with you. My eternity is worth so much more than my happiness here on earth. That's what the Lord wants from us. And so the Lord is going to send difficulties to us in order to change our hearts, to change our minds, to change our attitudes. And that's exactly what he's doing when he says, don't be a stubborn mule. He warns us that our lives will have to be more difficult if we are stubborn mules. You and I tend to be stubborn. We like to be stubborn. We're donkeys who don't allow ourselves to be led safely home. When the Lord allows us to be chastised by the consequences of our sin, when he allows the consequences of our sin to hurt us so that we recognize that we are sinful and turn to him for salvation, a lot of times we get mad. We look at God. We shake our fists. We try and clamp down harder on the reality around us instead of turning to our Heavenly Father, leaning on him, giving ourselves to him and saying, Lord, send the storm so I will fall and be back in your arms. I want to know you better. I want to love you better. I want to walk with you faithfully. So do what you must do so that I might be saved. God warns us that when we quote-unquote kick the goads, as another psalm says, or fight back against the the bit and bridle that he leads us with, God warns us that when this happens and we choose to walk the path of wickedness instead of the path of righteousness, our paths are going to be difficult. There are many woes to those who are wicked. And each one of us is, unfortunately, wicked. While we are here, we are sinners, and we will choose wickedness more often than we like or even like to admit. But the Lord is with us. If he has to, he will lead us with a bit and bridle. But it's going to be a lot easier if you and I just simply choose to follow the one who made us, who loved us, and who wants the best for us, the one who wants to spend eternity with us, the one who wants us to take the one who wants to take us home to be with him. 
And that whole idea changes the way I think about trials and tribulations as well. I know that difficult things are going to come my way, but I also know why the difficult things are coming my way. Because I have a Savior who loves me, who cares about me, who has plucked me out of eternity to be his own, and who will, though he controls the situation, sometimes allow difficult things to happen to me so that I might spend eternity with him. It changes the way I even think about Psalm 23, right? Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores, restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or in the, some translations, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? Of course, I'm comforted by the fact that my Savior is the one leading me through the valley of darkness. But I'm also comforted by the fact that there's a purpose to the dark valley. The dark valley is there so to point me back to the shepherd, the shepherd who has a rod and staff to comfort me and protect me. And he will use that rod and staff to comfort me, protect me, and keep me on the path of righteousness, the way of life, so that I might spend eternity with him. I've said that phrase about a hundred times now. Spend eternity with him. That is the ultimate goal, and I cannot forget that I'm a stranger here. My home is in heaven, and he has a place prepared for me. Let the Lord guide you. Let the Lord be the source of your strength and your hope. Let the Lord lead you where he wants you to go so that you can spend eternity with him. Don't be an ass. Don't be a donkey or a mule that has to be dragged, kicking and screaming to heaven. The Lord will do it if he has to. But wouldn't life be better? Won't life be easier if I simply turn to my Heavenly Father, trust that he will guide me, Trust that the storms he sends me are worthwhile and have a point and simply cling to him as I follow him to eternity and to my heavenly home to be with him forever. He's shaping me and fashioning me in his likeness so that I might look like him, be the salt of the earth, a light to the Gentiles, and so that my faith might be protected so I can spend eternity with him. If I want to be a man after God's own heart, if I want to be the man that God created me to be, I need to learn to follow. I don't lead. I follow my Heavenly Father. And in following my Heavenly Father wherever He might lead me, in following my Savior wherever He might lead me, I will then become a light in the darkness and a leader of men. Gentlemen, trust your Savior. Trust your Heavenly Father. If you're going to be a man after God's own heart, if you're going to be the man that you want to be, the man that you say, you're trying to be. You need to learn to trust your Heavenly Father and not to kick against the goads. If you're going to walk in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake, which is what men after God's own heart do, don't make Him drag you. Willing, faithful, chase after Him, and He will teach you what it means to be a man after His own heart. Go, fellas. Go now. Trust your Heavenly Father. And be the men that God created you to be. I love you. See you next time. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, 
or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always, we will be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.